This is the Rabbi Patrick Podcast, Episode 4, You're Becoming Jewish, Your Family Isn't. I spoke in the last episode about synagogues and about joining Jewish community. I want to keep talking about synagogues, but go in a different direction. So, a long time ago, we used to have a temple in Jerusalem, and the temple in Jerusalem, which was led by the priests, the Kohanim, the priestly class, as well as the Levites, who were sort of like the uh, paralegals <laughs> of temple life underneath the Kohanim, who are the high priests, um, this was Judaism. Of course, the concept of Judaism didn't exist yet, but this was the practice of the Israelites. So you would take your sacrifices, and there were lots of different kinds of sacrifices for different times and occasions and what you may or may not have done, etc., etc., and you would bring it to a priest, and the priest would take your sacrifice and would perform some rituals, and then that is what kept you square with God. Uh, that is the interesting thing about uh, this nature of sacrifice. It wasn't a sacrifice that was quid pro quo, meaning if I do this, then you'll give me this. It was what basically kept your covenant with God square. Um, very different than if you do this kind of sacrifice, then this kind of thing will happen. Uh, or you'll get this in return, or the crops will be better, or the wife will give birth to a male son, uh, that kind of stuff. This was really just about maintaining relationship. So you had this temple, and then you don't. And the nature of the religion has to shift. So it shifts from a priestly class to a rabbinic class. And the rabbis were already sort of upstart um, and were not really that much into the temple. And just by sheer luck, the fact that the temple ceased to exist, they were able to arise to power. Now, there have been challenges against those, the priestly class, the Pharisaic class. Um, and there's a whole wealth of Jewish history behind this, uh, but that's not the point. The point is that we used to have this building, the temple, and now we have these synagogues, a building where you go to do religion. We used to have one place that you could go, now we have all different kinds of places that you can go. We used to have priests, now we have rabbis. So it's very easy for people to draw the conclusion that the synagogue, as we understand it today, is a replacement for the temple in Jerusalem. In fact, the reform movement started calling synagogues temples because we did not need a temple in Jerusalem. We had uh, America, which was in fact a promised land of sorts. It was as redemptive as real estate in Palestine was ever going to be. So it's easy to draw this conclusion, temple, temple. But that's not actually the case. If you look at how Judaism evolved, it evolved to where the replacement for the temple in Jerusalem was the Shabbat dinner table. So look at all of the different elements that you have uh, in a Shabbat dinner table. You have candles with fire. So fire, obviously a big part of sacrifice. You have food. So much of Jewish culture revolved around having to share food because the food of the other people in the land was not um, ritually pure. So you have this gathering around food. You have family, which is 
what really Torah starts off with. It starts off with the story of family. It's the toldot um, genre, if you will, the generational genre of the Bible. What else do we have? We have wine, the sweet libation for God. That's another sacrifice. We have challah, so we have the uh, uh, bread. So these are all things, and, and the bread is salted. Some people have this custom of putting salt on the bread. That is literally a myth, uh, a ritualizing of the mythology, the mythological practice, which is a true practice, but it's not. It's myth in the sense of it being a mythos, of it being something uh, greater than simply an activity. It has a spiritual backbone, if you will. Um, the salt was what uh, was put on the sacrifices, the meat sacrifice. So we are now putting it on this challah, on this bread. So you have all of these elements, and truly the idea was that the Shabbat dinner table was going to act as the temple until a temple was re restored by Moshiach, by a Messiah. So... So much of Judaism has this idea of family, in so much as we were willing to take the temple, the God's dwelling place on earth, and we were going to substitute a dinner table for it because of this idea of family. So what do you do if you are converting to Judaism and you have a family? And maybe there are some sticky issues here with family. There's a lot of different things you can do. One is that your whole family converts. That's an option. Another option is that only you convert and you have this non-Jewish family. Uh, the option is that you can sort of try to do both. Another option is that you can sort of force everyone to do what you're doing. A lot of different ways this can play out. So I want to talk about how these things can play out and what is often the result of them. So, I want to start with a premise, which is that you cannot convince someone to convert to Judaism. I have known people who uh, have been interested in converting. They have reached out to rabbis, including myself and others. They've said, well, I have a wife or a husband and two kids at home. But, you know, if I convert, maybe they'll convert too. Maybe they'll see through my actions how great this religion is and how they should just want to be a part of it. If you are part of that camp, that line of thinking, I have some unfortunate news for you. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. The choice to join a religion is not something that people do strong-armed. And you cannot emotionally blackmail people into becoming Jews. And if you could, that'd be a really horrible thing. You also can't convert under duress. So if a person goes in front of a bed den and says, well, I'm doing this for my husband, or I'm doing this for my girlfriend, or whatever the case may be, that's not going to fly. No bed den's going to be cool with that. So you can't convince someone to convert other uh, duress. The other issue is that only certain rabbis are going to work for you. So let's say you have this okay situation with you and your spouse or boyfriend or whatever, and you're going to convert. That person doesn't have to, and you're going to figure it out kind of later. Many more traditional rabbis are not going to help you. So let's assume, although I don't really believe it, that there is this ascending ladder of traditional observance, and conservative is somewhere in the middle. You can pretty much start from conservative down. Those folks are going to help. Conservative up, not so much. Um, and that is because truly uh, the conservative, orthodox, 
approaches to Judaism are something that are entirely family and community oriented. It's really only you get into reform and reconstructionist and secular humanistic Judaism that you're going to find more of an emphasis on the self. So some rabbis are going to work for you and some aren't. And when you are in your beginner phase of Judaism, it's very easy to go, you know, go big or go home, right? So I'm going to convert conservative or orthodox, and that's just going to be that because I want to truly know halakha, I want to truly know how to do everything, all of this other stuff. Um, and then you get to that person and you say, okay, Rabbi, I'm going to convert. Okay, well, what about your family? Well, I have an agnostic husband and my two kids go to Methodist uh, preschool. So yeah, but they're, they're cool. They're whatever. They're just going to do their own thing. Um, I can promise you that a traditional rabbi is not going to go for that. So you're stuck. Um, so maybe you do convince your spouse to go along with you or your partner to go along with you for the ride. What if they drop out? What if they decide it's not for them? How is that going to make you feel about them? How is that going to make them feel about you? What about your kids? So you're converting. Maybe you don't have a spouse. Maybe you're a single parent. Um, so now you have these kids. Are they going to convert? How old are they? What does conversion mean for them? What's going to happen when you had a Christmas tree and now you have a Hanukkah bush or maybe you don't have anything? And yet all of a sudden during the fall we're suddenly decorating a tent outside. Um, these are things you have to sort of grapple with. What do you do about the family that is outside of the home? So you have your parents and grandparents, all of these other people. What role are they going to play in this, if at all? Lots of stuff to talk about. But really, I think it comes down to three things. Uh, one is honesty. The second is inclusion. And the third is reassurance. So let's start with being honest. Being honest means being honest to other people, but also means being honest to yourself. So I know someone who was interested in converting. I don't know if they ever did or not. But they said, you know, I've talked to people, and they say if they could have it, you know, to do it over again, if they could convert over again, what would they do? Oh, well, they would have been Orthodox, because Orthodox counts more. Now, never mind the fact that I'm so incredibly against that line of thinking, but... Um, I asked this person, I said, okay, so you are thinking about converting with an Orthodox rabbi. Are you going to be Orthodox? And they said no. And I said, well, think about that for a little while. You have to be honest with yourself. I mentioned earlier there are many traditional rabbis that are not going to work with you if your family is not part of this. If you have a family at home, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to be part of it, then that more traditional rabbi is not going to be part of it. Listen, your studying can always be ramped up. If you have a very liberal reform rabbi who's just kind of like, cool, it's all about peoplehood, and you know, I just want you to find what works for you, if that's not enough structurally, you can always go to a Chabad class and supplement, right? You can always go online. You already are, and learn all kinds of deep, heavy stuff. This goes back to the whole uh, being honest about what kind of Jewish community you're joining. But this is also true for your own home life. You have to be honest about what process you're actually doing. You also need to be honest with your partner and with your children. You need to be honest when you say, you know what? 
we have lived this particular kind of life where we have Christmas tree, Easter bunny. It was never religious. Mom, dad, whoever is now embracing a spiritual path. And if you have any questions about that, just let me know. Um, and you have to be honest about things like, there won't be a Christmas tree this year. You have to be honest about things like, we're not going to be eating shrimp and scallops anymore. Uh, you have to be honest about where you're at, though. You can't go into this, you know, just full force Maccabean about it and be like, okay, I met with the rabbi once, so now I'm going to throw away everything that doesn't have a, a circle uh, K or an OU or some sort of weird Israeli hexure that you can't read. Um, you can't go in all, as the Catholics would say, Opus Day. I don't know if Catholics actually say that, but I've just kind of decided that. You can't go in all zealous and then dial it back from there. You have to be honest about where you're at and kind of recognize that where other people are at may be different and you just got to play it cool. If you have a spouse that says, okay, well, does that mean I don't get bacon anymore? You have to be honest and you have to say, well, you know what? I'm choosing not having bacon over you, right? Be brutally honest. If that's how you really feel, if you would rather not have the spouse and eat glot kosher, then you better be honest that that's the direction this is going to go in because it is incredibly unfair to trick someone into thinking their life is going in one direction when it's going something else or even worse, to gaslight them into thinking that they're crazy. Um, do not do this. Sorry, I keep scratching my nose, so I guess I'm getting kind of nasally, but be honest. Be honest where you're at. Say, you know what, I don't really know where I'm at yet. Maybe I need to talk it out a little bit. Uh, or maybe you know exactly where you are, but you're honest and know that it may change in the future. Understand that. Be honest about that. Don't try to be someone that you're not, by the way. Don't try to be an Orthodox Jew the first day out. Don't claim that you know everything there is to know about Judaism and that you're more than happy to play rabbi to your non-Jewish partner and non-Jewish children. Be honest. You are learning. You are always learning, by the way. I learn something new every single day. If I don't learn something new, I get really disappointed. Be honest. Also, be honest with the rabbi. Don't say that your spouse is going to convert when they're not. Don't say that you're going to take away the Easter bunny from your kids if you're not. Um, be very, very honest. The best thing I think you can do in life is to live in the light. Is it embarrassing sometimes? Is it difficult sometimes? Yes. At the end of the day, it's always better to live where in a, a transparent life than it is to hide in the corner and to try to um, think that you have everything under control when you don't. So, be honest with your rabbi, be honest with yourself, be honest with others. Secondly, involve others. So, maybe you bring your spouse to a meeting with your rabbi to talk it out. Maybe you tell your spouse, you know, I'm, I'm kind of flirting with this Shabbat candle thing. What do you think about that? No judgments. Maybe you talk to your kids and say, hey, you know, I know that, you know, dad is, is studying a lot and maybe I do funny things now that you don't understand. Do you want to talk about it? Involve others. Involve your non-Jewish family that is beyond your household. 
let them know, you know, hey, I'm on a little bit of a spiritual journey here. And it may, be, it may weird you out a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm sort of studying to be Jewish. I don't know whether it's going to stick or not. It's just a thing I'm, I'm kind of looking into. You know, I, I've been going to the synagogue. I really enjoy it. I get a lot out of it. Um, you know, do you maybe want to talk about it? Uh, involve other people. Let them know that they're a part of this, you know, just as much as anyone else. Now, don't try to force people to do something that they don't want to do. If your kids do not want to play dreidel with you, don't get mad and feel like your children are anti-Semites, right? Like, sometimes people don't want to be involved. They want you to go and do your own thing. And that's okay. Not everyone has to come to the conversion party, you know, the, the daily conversion party that is your life. It is okay for them to say, I am not interested. But it's also okay for you to say, great, not a problem, I'm here doing this thing whenever you want to join me. And if you don't, that's cool too. So the third thing, are you becoming someone else? Are you becoming someone else? This is something I hear a lot from people. Uh, one woman told me, you know, my husband didn't mind if I converted to Judaism so long as I didn't become. And she listed off all these sort of Jewish stereotypes. Um, a lot of times when people get really into something, and it doesn't have to be religion necessarily, it can be a hobby or a sport or some educational thing they're doing, some kind of politics, activism, the friends and family around them will think, oh God, I've lost that best friend. I've lost that child. I've lost that partner. I've lost them to this cause. They're, they're more the cause than they are the person. You know, they're more the political party than they are the friend or family member. And this happens all the time, too. You get into something, and you get a little too into it, it's very easy to become a stereotype. I remember some friends of mine actually said, uh, some non-Jewish friends of mine said, you know, when you are around Jewish people, you look like a different person. You act differently. You talk differently. And, you know, I remember when they told me that, I thought, okay, well, this is just, they just don't get it. We're just, you know, uh, we're just, we're shooting stuff like, you know, they, they just don't understand our lingo. They don't get it. And then I realized, looking back on it, no, wait, I was trying to be someone that I wasn't. Uh, you know, I'd watch YouTube videos. I'd uh, listen to podcasts. And I thought there was a particular rhythm that I was supposed to keep up with. There was a certain sort of way of speaking that I was supposed to keep up with um, so that I would pass, so that I would fit in. Um, it's not unlike cliques in a school. You know, you start dressing like the clique. And they had every right to say, you know, you kind of act like one person here and you act like someone else somewhere else. So it's important to think about that. Are you becoming someone else? And who is that someone else relative to everyone else? So be honest with people. Involve others. And ask yourself, am I becoming someone else really? Or am I pretending to be someone else? What role does that play? Now, I know if you're listening to this podcast, you're thinking, no, no, no. Hold on. Time out. This podcast was supposed to be about how I'm going to convince my kids that it's okay I'm converting to Judaism. This podcast is supposed to be about how I'm, supposed to, how I'm going to convince my uh, girlfriend that it's not weird that suddenly I'm uh, reading Jewish texts and that I want to learn Hebrew. That's what you're supposed to solve for me, Rabbi. You're becoming Jewish. Your family isn't. This is supposed to be about how I can get my family to be uh, behind me. 
The reality is, though, every family's different, and every friend group is different, every household is different. It's too different. There's, there's no way that I could do a podcast where I would say, well, if you just follow these five simple tips, your family's not going to have a problem with the fact that you're becoming Jewish. It's just people are too unique. Every family has a rhythm. Uh, every you know friend group has a different sort of insider language and, and a way of behaving that it's just too difficult for me to give you the top 10 tips for surviving the transition from Christmas to Hanukkah. Um, it, it just wouldn't work. Ultimately, what I'm trying to say is be true to yourself, be true to others, and, and be sure to make reasonable accommodations. You may have found something that is very meaningful to you, but You've already invested yourself in family. You've already invested yourself in friends. You are a part of something that is bigger than yourself from the get-go. Put religion aside. The family is bigger than you are. The friends are bigger than you are. Human relationships transcend even humanity. So you're going to have to make accommodations. There are going to be times when your mother, let's say, uh, is going to send you Christmas gifts till the day you die doesn't matter if you became a rabbi. Now, just as a side note, I really lucked out because my mom basically is Jewish and is totally into it, and so I, I kind of did okay there. Um, but, you know, you may have that parent that continues to send you Christmas cards and doesn't think anything of it, and it may just drive you nuts. You may think that this is a personal slant against you. It isn't, and even if it is, so what? It's a card. Don't worry about it. You may be very upset because you want to keep glott kosher and your spouse is still going to make shrimp because that's what they eat. That is what they like to do. You're going to have to ask yourself what's more important, the peace in the home or your ability to fulfill a mitzvah, considering that both are mitzvot. You may have to contend with the fact that your uh, interest in Judaism and that in your home you practice Judaism, but when your kids go to their other parents' home, they have the Easter Bunny. You're just going to have to be okay with that. That is the price of admission. Your only other option in life, if you don't want to deal with your conversion and with family, is to forsake all of it. And I would tell you that when it comes to Jewish values, forsaking your family, forsaking your friends, even if it is for heaven, doesn't earn you heaven one bit. So, you're becoming Jewish, your family isn't, that's okay, maybe they will in the future, don't hold their feet to the flame on it, and in the next episode, dealing with rabbis.